Happy Friday! Fun one for you today. Hopped on with Jeff and Justin from Locked On Guardians to have a wide-ranging conversation about trading prospect Nolan Jones to Colorado, some potential Sean Murphy trades, and some of our underrated prospects in the system that we're high on. Hope you enjoy. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lockdown Guardians. I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians uh, your first listen today and every day wherever you get podcasts. It's also thank you to anyone listening for Lockdown Prospects and for making that your first. One of these is your first and the other one's your second listen every day. So we appreciate that. Lindsay, we have had a bit. I'm going to put you on the spot here with something we didn't discuss beforehand. We've had a bit of a kerfuffle in our comments. So I need to know from you at the top of each show, do you introduce yourself? Because people are saying this doesn't happen on other locked on shows that we, we giving our resumes at the top of the show is a bit much. So I'm kind of curious. I not only introduce myself, I say the exact same thing every single time. Yes. Okay. So I wanted to make sure like I wasn't in some weird vacuum. I swear this was our approach. Uh, So yeah, uh, all of us here are people who love prospects. That's just Mm -hmm. something across the board. Obviously, you know that if you listen to Locked on Guardians and you know that just from Lindsay's show that he hosts, uh, you know, I've done a lot of uh, crossing over with Lindsay, especially the way to the draft. So I'm Jeff Ellis. I've been the host of this show since it started nearly 900 episodes ago. Used to write a bunch. Don't so much anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm Justin Ladd. I've been the co-host of with you, Jeff, for I don't know. We're going on eight weeks, nine weeks. Now I've lost count. It's been good. Uh, I'm currently the managing editor of Guardians Baseball Insider dot com. Freelance for the Willoughby News Herald and the Lorraine Morning Journal covering the Guardian system as well. And for the Guardians listeners on here, I'm Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked on MLB Prospects. I'm a baseball writer and podcaster. I actually freelance with Sports Illustrated writing about baseball and uh, obviously have hosted this show now for coming up on a calendar year. My first show was January 5th of last mm-hmm. year. So coming up almost a full year of Locked on MLB Prospects. And you're you're an Auburn writer, right? Isn't that the some of your writing as well? Or are you not doing that? I cover Auburn baseball, baseball. and then I'm okay. also now writing some about professional baseball, like okay. about major league baseball. So yeah, we get a lot of feedback because um, we talk about college baseball. So I thought I would throw that out there for yes. uh, some of our fans of college baseball to know that that's a, another person who they can go and get some great information from. And it dovetails well with prospects because obviously a lot of a lot of your prospects come out of the college ranks and so a lot of the guys that we talked about for the draft you know and when you and I were 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 giving sleepers in the draft it's guys that I had seen in person covering SEC baseball and so that makes it nice as well it just kind of gives me a a knowledge base going into the draft so you have Tanner Burns number one in the system right that's how obviously he's my favorite (laughs) he he still has maybe my favorite quote ever where it was like he was, I believe it was him where he was an Alabama fan. And he's like, I'm an Alabama fan, but if I wanted to get good, I had to go to Auburn. Like, I mean, he just like buried the Alabama program. It was one of those comments that sticks with me to this day. He vicious, got a chance but to, to, enough. to pitch on the same staff as Casey Mize, the number one overall pick and uh, learned from yeah. Tim Hudson, who obviously, you know, won a world series and is uh, one of the greats in, in that generation of baseball. So it makes sense why he wanted to go to a prestigious program like Auburn versus uh, Alabama. Uh, Let's start off with yesterday's trade. 
Jones for Brito, I think if you're a prospect nerd, might have been the most interesting trade of the day. You know, I saw a lot of people kind of jump and dig and we went in depth. Uh, you know, I see a lot of people in our comments still being like, why don't they like him anymore? Is it what's wrong? And it, again, I want to reiterate what we said yesterday. It's not a matter of like or dislike. And this team never they are one of the hardest teams to trade with because they set a value and they stick with it and they don't come off of it. So they really like Brito. And two, it's just a change in how they view hitters. They want contact guys. They do not want swing and miss. So it's not a matter of Nolan Jones not being good or them not liking him. It's they don't like that profile full stop anymore. And if you've watched Moneyball, you'll remember the thing that, that the actor Brad Pitt says, and he goes and he says, like, do I care how he gets on base? The Guardians want you to get on base. It's more reliable to get on base if you have good contact ability and you're not a three true outcomes guy than if you're somebody like Jones who may hit a home run, but you're probably going to strike out. They would rather you, like, they want the guy who will get on base. That's what Juan Bruno does. He gets on base. Now, how, what his game looks like long-term kind of depends on how he develops. But low A, 100 games this year, 286, 407, 470, that is a Guardian's uh, minor league stat line if I've ever seen one. Yeah, it is. And they and they did. That's a good one. I'm glad, I'm glad Jeff brought up the point about them setting their value because there was a lot of people yesterday who were upset about, oh, that's all they could get for Nolan Jones. Um, Cleveland, I'm sure, did their legwork. I know they did their legwork. You know, I, I don't know if they were having conversations with anybody else about moving Nolan Jones. But the fact that they, they talked to uh, – Chris Antonetti did a conference call with reporters today and talked about – um, why they liked Bretto and and why they made the trade, and it just a the top factor was he didn't fit on the team anymore from a defensive standpoint. That they didn't see his path to playing time with re-signing Jose Ramirez. They had a lot of other outfielders they liked. They we talked about this yesterday, Jeff. They they showed their hand a little bit by calling up Will Brennan um, after Oscar Gonzalez got back and and Jones uh, was not on the roster anymore back in AAA and and didn't quite fit there anymore, but they, they targeted Brito to a point. I mean, they, they had to add him to the 40 man roster. They made the trade full well, knowing they're going to have to do that. And it's not like they didn't assess his value elsewhere. And, you know, when they have a value on a guy, any guy, their own guy, somebody else's guy, um, they, if they don't get the value, they don't make the trade. They wait and they wait and they wait. And that's why they are such a, a hard team to deal with. That's why they're a hard team to be a fan of in the winter because of how, much they wait and wait wait for the snow to fall and get cleaned up before they go in and they grab whatever's out there still. But uh, that's a really good point that they they set their value and and they don't really value the skill set anymore. I mean, Jones didn't have a problem getting on base. He walked a lot. You know, that was he was a three true outcome hitter. And Cleveland does have an issue, Jeff. I know you will say with like the Ahmed Rosarios, the Tyler Freemans who don't walk. They they try to get on base by hitting. They don't walk. Uh, they have to find a way to balance that out at some point, but um, I don't know. Brito, Brito does have a good a good skill set to go along with that, and and I think they just figured that uh, Jones's skill set is not one that fits in anymore. And look, the draft guys have changed. The farm director has changed in the last several years since Jones was picked. So uh, philosophies have changed too. So that leads to a different uh, way of shaping the roster. Definitely. And I, I do think they need more power and I do think they need more walks. And if you're looking at it that way, the one thing you say is Brito walked a ton. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is that thing. I mean, right now, one of the big problems, everyone was focused on power and yes, they could absolutely, 
they missed Fran Mel Reyes being the Fran Mel Reyes of old. But the other, I think, equally almost uh, valid issue was the the lack of walking, the lack of patience at the plate. They would hit into, you know, Rosario was the king of the double play. He was DP king, and it was just all year for him doing that while hitting in the two hole. You had Oscar Gonzalez, who I think breaks out in hives after every walk, if from based on what we've seen in the majors and the minors. He did improve in that area, but it's like that's up and down. So it is kind of interesting. In some ways, they're like anti money ball. It's about it's it's like this 1980s view of get make contact. All that matters is make contact, make contact, yeah. make contact. It's a very interesting approach. I don't know how sustainable it is in a way because again, I don't. I you let, listen. People are tired of me talking my concerns about Oscar Gonzalez. You know, can he stay viable with that approach um, and things like that? But it's going to be driven. They can make this work because you know Andres Jimenez. He's going to regress, but he showed enough that I think we can all count on him being like a three to four win player going forward. Stephen Kwan looks like a three to four win guy going forward. Jose Ramirez broke his thumb in June and was still a six win player nearly. Uh, or No, tore his tore a ligament on top of it. It's like it's unbelievable. That shouldn't happen. It's absurd. Uh, and then you got Terry Francona and people get mad at me for discounting him. And again, I'm not discounting Terry Francona. I think it's hard to judge what a manager does, but he's clearly awesome at what he does. Uh, so I think... They have those pieces offensively to help carry them, but I still don't know unless it's Valera uh, who's not going to start the year at the team or unless it's a trade. I'm not sure how they're planning to get this lineup improved or if it's just going to be sending out the same group and hoping they get the same results uh, next year. Why don't we take this break though, since we're a little bit in and come back and talk about maybe some trade ideas, some traded players, uh, that could help this team throw out some offers, get an outside opinion since fans have been loving the trade pieces all on today's Locked On Guardians slash Locked On Prospects. And our first sponsor today over at Bet Online. What I always say about Bet Online is that, and what do I, I don't gamble? I've been honest about that, but I still go to Bet Online. Why do I still go there? Because the information is plentiful. Like if I want to see who's going to sign where, I'm going and looking at who are the top five uh, teams that are going to go sign somebody like Aaron Judge. If they have trade, like who is going to be traded somewhere, I'm looking at that. It is a font of information, a wealth of knowledge. Go to Bet Online, check it out for yourself. You'll be thankful you did. Tell them that Locked On sent you. Not really, but you get my point. It is a fantastic site full of information for every sport. And if your thing is, you know, betting, they've got you covered there as well. It's in the name. So go to Bet Online today. Uh, check it out for yourself. You will not be disappointed. And uh, what should we start with some Sean Murphy chatter? That's been everyone's favorite thing this year. Uh, everybody fans, wants Sean Murphy. Everybody does. Uh, we both think that the Cardinals are actually his probably his best landing, most likely landing spot. Uh, when we discussed him, but what what would you think a Sean Murphy Guardians trade would entail? Uh, mm. A lot of fans hate the idea of trading George Valera. They here's the thing: fans don't want to trade. We talked about that elite off the air. We talked about kind of like the maybe the tier five six guys. And it seems like fans don't feel like you should have to trade any of those six. Uh, a, a chunk of fans do. Because Sean Murphy isn't a middle-of-the-order bat, but I argue he is a singular talent, and it's going to hurt you to get him because he is so good. What do you think a trade looks like for Sean Murphy? So The thing to remember on, a, on something like this is when you're trading for a guy and his team does not have to move him, like 
the Athletics don't have to move Sean Murphy. With the DH, they can play both Langoliers and Murphy. And so to make that happen, you typically have to overpay a bit. So you're going to have to give somebody from that first tier. Um, if I'm giving somebody out of the first tier, I'm thinking if I have to give one of those guys, it's probably <laughs> going to end up being George Valera. Yeah. Like if I'm if I'm trading out of that first tier, because what are my options? I'm not trading to Speedo. I'm not trading Tanner Bibby. And so it's like, do I want to Gavin Williams, George Valero? Why would you trade Bo Naylor? They're not going to take a catcher for a catcher when they have too many catchers already. You know, they have Daniel Susak in the system behind these two guys. And so there's not many options, but you're going to have to do one of those guys. So probably doing George Valera. And then from there, it's like, okay, what are Oakland's organizational needs? They've got a ton of pitching. They don't trust necessarily any of it. Um, they have plenty of outfielders in the top half of their 30, right? Uh, they don't have a lot of true infielders other than like, like a Max Muncie. Like that's that, Zach Geloff, and that's about it. And so I'm probably finding one of the mid-range position players, uh, maybe an Angel Martinez, maybe a Jose Pena, trying to, you know, Angel Janal, one of the Angels. Sending one of those guys over there, seeing if that plus another piece, maybe Jawinski Noel, uh, maybe a pitcher. Maybe they want a pitcher like a Parker Messick or somebody newer. Not quite sure, but I'm looking at one of the, the top tier, one of the second tier position players, and then probably a third tier pitcher is my package for Sean Murphy. Which is very similar to what we discussed on a similar page. <laughs> I think like Valera Martinez and maybe Logan Allen was uh, was something similar to what like we had talked about. So it's it's it is nice to see again outside opinion that we're not being too homerish just from our own perspective. Sometimes right. we overvalue our teams overvalue their own prospects, and we and overvalue undervalue yeah yeah. And then like you'll undervalue the other teams guys mm-hmm. because you're like, well, they're they're trying to trade them anyway. They don't care. They'll take whatever for them. Well, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. That's such a great point. Jeff and I, I think I brought that up to you the other day. There was an article on The Athletic last year. I think it was uh, Zach Buchanan, but he was just saying that uh, – talk, talking to one of the Arizona Diamondbacks guys, just saying how how much bias you have as an organization with your own players, and, and they try to bring in people in, in the organization so that you don't have the biases. But um, teams do. Humans are inherently biased, right? Like we, we develop our own biases – by experience, or maybe maybe they're you know you're born with them or whatever, but um, teams do value overvalue their own prospects, and I don't think for Sean Murphy you're getting out of that trade without giving up one of your big four. And the big four right now is the three pitchers and George Valera. You can yeah. maybe include Naylor and make it a big five, but they like Lindsay said, you don't need they don't need um, Bo Naylor, and I also think that Oakland is a franchise similar to Cleveland where. I think they're going to be less concerned about organizational need than they will with the best offer. If they're truly going to trade Sean Murphy, like if they're fielding offers and they, they they're like Cleveland, they're just going to listen to the offers. And if they get the one they like, they'll take it. I don't think they care about, you know, obviously they're not trading for Bo Naylor because they don't need him. but I think whoever just gives them the best package, they'll figure it out later. That's what Cleveland always does. Cleveland just says, you know what, if we're trading this guy, let's get the package. We like, we will figure out position later. Kind of what they did with Juan Brito. You know, everyone's like, Oh, I'm getting sick of them trading for middle infielders. It's not about him being a middle infield. It's about them liking him as a player. They will figure the rest out later. Oakland will probably do the same thing if, if they decide to trade Sean Murphy. And 
like honestly, if Oakland loves Bo Naylor, there's nothing to stop them from saying they want Bo Naylor because he could very conceivably, with his athletic profile, move to an outfield position. Like if they believe the bat plays, like if they're in a situation where they think that his bat has a better chance and the athletic profile is there, because we know there are some people who do not like Valera at all, who think he's never going to be able to hit the low pitch. That's come up. So like if they're like, no, we'd rather have Bo Naylor, it could still happen uh, just because of his general athleticism. So yeah, I think they'll just take the best package and, you know, we don't know what it'll be. Like we've seen Oakland, I think last year, you know, it was a conventional trade for Olsen, but some of those other trades for Bassett um, and Montez, I think for a lot of people, they thought that they were, yeah, were unconventional or different. And the other thing I'll say is it felt like all of those trades were using the most recent data. Like just because a prospect list isn't updated, uh, immediately, or like when they got Ken W from the Yankees, I saw a lot, and I'm like, no, he's a lot higher rated than he is on lists. Like you have to yeah. understand when you talk he's to people, he's much better than what the list says. Yes, so don't always just assume a list. Uh, again, the people who make that list, I did that once. It's an impossible job. I have no idea how anyone does it and doesn't go insane. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a really hard thing to do. Like, believe it or not, while you're making the list, like they keep playing games. And so things keep changing as you're trying to write the list. It's so rude of them. They should just stop playing, let you write the list, and then go back to playing. Uh, and I had that trouble quite a bit. People ask me, like, well, where's this guy valued? I'm like, well, somewhere between seven and 10. I can't give you anything more than that because he played games in the last two weeks that I haven't seen yet. So that that comes up quite a bit. But trading for, like, trading for Sean Murphy, I think it – it does something for this team as far as, like you said, he's not going to be a middle of the order bat, right? He's 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 not going to be carrying your team offensively, but it gives you a, a floor of production, both offensively and defensively, that I feel like you were missing at times in 2022. And there's a deal to be made there. It's just a question of what does it look like and does Cleveland pull the trigger? And... I think Cleveland would. The question is, does Oakland take it? Does Oakland go somewhere else? They're going to have plenty of suitors. You're probably going to have to overpay for it. And like you said earlier with the first trade, Cleveland sets a price and that's the price. They're not going to go up on that. And so do I think it'll happen? Probably not. Is it fun to speculate about? Yes. Is he probably going to be a Cardinal? Probably. And, and I'll just add this in. He may not be a huge middle of the order bat. He's still a, you know, a, a plus bat. But yeah. when you go from what they had with Hedges to Sean Murphy, that's like adding Babe Ruth to your lineup. Uh, it's like, it's the, a significant the, change. Yeah, that's a, such a significant change that that has to be looked at. Uh, let's throw uh, let's throw to our next break. We'll come back to maybe one more little trade discussion. Then we're going to get into maybe some of our favorite prospects in the system. Go a little more under the radar. Uh, have some fun with it. On today's Locked On Guardians slash Locked On Prospects. Next fantastic sponsor on today's show are the good folks over at simplysafe.com. Uh, with Simply Safe, uh, Lindsay hasn't had the joy of hearing me go on and on about how much I love US news and world reports. <laughs> That's where I picked how to get my car. That's where I pick every high priced purchase. I use US news and world reports. And why is this so important? Well, I can tell you right now, the U.S. News and World Reports has picked Simply Safe as the best home security system of 2022 and 2021 and 2020. On top of that, if you listen to any podcast in the world, you have heard their advertisement. How can they afford to grow at that rate? How can they afford to own every podcast and advertise on them? Because they're a successful company that are very good at what they do. If you are looking into home security and, you know, right now is the time. 
those Amazon trucks are everywhere. People are out grabbing packages more than ever, unfortunately, during the holiday season. That's just a sad fact of life. Right now is the perfect time to go in get Simply Safe. They have 24-7 professional monitoring service that costs less than a dollar a day, less than half the price of ADT, ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe a- app, and we all know how much anything like this is made or, braid, made or broken by app design. Stay in complete control anytime, anywhere, arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or just adjust your settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash locked on MLB. That's there. This is the biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com backslash locked on MLB. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Real, real quick to close the conversation on Sean Murphy, I was just curious looking it up. He is projected by Steamer this year to have a 118 way to runs created plus, which I know some of our listeners are mad about the stats we use. We'll have to have a future episode on stats that we talk about, I guess, but uh, basically 100 is average. average. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Sean Murphy projected 118 this year by Steamer. And would important the... too, real quick, one, 100 is average, but 100 is MLB average. The average per position can be lower. The The yes. first base average is about 109 to 110. The catcher average, I want to say, is like 92 or 90. So the fact that he's, I mean, he, he's significantly above average for a catcher in that metric. And that's maybe even bigger than just the fact that he's above average hitter. He's a plus hitter for a catcher. Right. And he would be by steamer projections. He would be the tied for the fifth best hitter uh, on Cleveland, Cleveland's lineup next year. Andre Semenes is projected to have a 118 next year uh, among second basemen. And so Sean Murphy offensively would be as good as Andre Semenes. Although, like you said, positional difference matters, but that just tells you how impactful he would be in Cleveland's lineup just to kind of close the book on that discussion. So, the other big need for this team or the big want for need is power. We've, we've had some discussions. I'm kind of curious. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot ahead. We, we'll still do our Brewers talk, but one of the names that keeps coming up who has power, who could be on the move is the idea of Hunter Renfro. So we talked about the big trade of someone like Sean Murphy, I'm kind of interested. We haven't discussed Hunter Renfro on the show yet. We're kind of saving our, our um, powder as it were for when we do a Brewers episode. But what do you think a trade for someone like Hunter Renfro is? When he is a rental, we just saw what Teoscar went for, who one, I think one can make an argument is, you know, a more valuable player. Yeah. What do you, what do we think the overall cost of someone like Hunter Renfro would be to just completely throw something in out of left field that we hadn't discussed before the show, as is my way. Yeah. I Uh, I like to lob chaos bombs constantly. I think very obvious trade compensation for Hunter Renfro would be Jackie Bradley Jr., (laughs) <laughs> that that would be a one for one trade that oh, you would make. There we go. No, yeah, we'll no, sign him um, and trade him. There you go. Sign him and trade him. It's fine. Deal. Um, I don't. I mean, I I think it's like a twelve million dollar option. They're not going to pay it. No. Um. So something like like Hunter Renfro, like you said, it's a rental. You're looking at something at something lower, but it has to be. They don't have to move him, right? They can still keep him. And you mentioned that they have a lot of guys coming off of that uh that salary in two years and so giving them a a middle mid minors pitching prospect somebody that they can reliably think we're going to be able to pull call him up when we have a bunch of open cap space and we're going to have a need we have to lost some pitchers and going to need some pitchers uh so my thought is find one of those 
tier two to tier three pitchers and lead the package with that and then throw in a position player, you know, so yeah, something like a Tanner Burns and then a position player, somebody probably in the middle infield, I guess you have a ton of them. I mean, Richie Palacios, maybe it's two top 25 prospects. It's not anybody in your tier one, but it's a couple pieces that you could afford to lose because they're positions of depth to get you somebody that you need for a year while you develop the other options in your system, like a George Valera, like a Chase DeLouder, things like that. And I say done. I We've made this deal for both teams. I, can, do we have that power? Can I just make this occur? See, I would love for that to be happening, but I, I don't know if that gets it done. Like, I think, okay, do we think that Teoscar Hernandez is is... How much better is Teoscar Hernandez than Hunter Renfro? Like Hernandez is a what fringy outfielder defensively. Renfro has a history of being a better defensive outfielder. Probably strikes out more than Hernandez. So like how 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 big is the gap between those two players? Ten percent. I think the other thing too is how many other options are there at the level of Renfro, where you don't have to. It doesn't have to be him. It just has to be somebody with that skill set. I think that's something as well offensively Teoscar feels like he was a higher tier than Renfro is, which makes him a little bit harder to get as far as find somebody to replace that, that power potential. So I'd say, I'd say probably 10%. He's Teoscar is probably 10% better than Renfro as far as what the package cost has to be. I think that the Brewers would probably value somebody they can put on their pitching staff this year. You know, they, they, they traded Josh Hader. Taylor Rogers is went to become a free agent. So that's why I think that the, this is probably some bias from earlier at the trade, but I mean, the Blue Jays and Mariners kind of set a market on a rental outfielders and B relief pitching, you know, Eric Swanson ends up being the lead piece in that trade. Mm-hmm. A lot, a lot of control breakout as a reliever. So gosh, I don't even know who out of the bullpen you're, you're throwing at that point, but I would say like, I think Logan Allen, ends up being a guy that has to go in this trade, maybe a Hunter Gaddis or Xavier Curry, maybe even Peyton Battenfield, you know, to clear a guy that um, Cleveland couldn't protect, even though he might be a guy that can be picked up. Connor Pilkington, you know, that might be a guy that I would think they would value. No, the, the Brewers just might value something a little bit different because of their pitching situation. They don't have a lot of controllable young pitchers at this point, especially prospects. So, I mean, Cleveland's not trading Sam Henches, you know, or anything like that. So, yeah, I just kind of wonder how close that trade ends up being in that direction. I think we were close, but I'd probably guess that they'd have to bump up a tier from Tanner Burns in terms of a trade for Hunter Renfro. So just to throw out there just some more things, I wonder how much the extra $3 million in salary for Tay Oscar affects value. Um, You know, $3 million is not insignificant. And then the other thing that could tilt things a little more into Oscar's value is you look at the consistent offensive production that, you know, since 2018, it's been a, at least a 100 weighted ones created plus every year with a 142, a 132 that he has been declining for three straight years where Renfro just had a fantastic season. But you go back to throughout his career, like 2020 and 2019, were both below average years if there's a consistency issue. And then also just, let's see, Tay Oscar is 30 and is Renfro about the same. Yep. The, I think but the same age. Yeah. yeah. So well, he'll be 31 in um, January, but they're in the same range. So it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some uh, some similarities. It will be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, we could 
uh, it's funny. I know none of us are locked on Brewers, but I feel like we could all probably sit here and spend another 30 minutes discussing the Brewers outfield options since they have so many interesting ones uh, in the upper minors uh, that make something like Renfro work. Because uh, we have you, and I just want to do this uh, with you. Who is, because I always ask people this question, and I think it's interesting to hear, who is your favorite prospect who isn't a top 10 prospect in the system or who is a, you know, might be in discussion for the back end? Who is someone you like in the Guardian system that's a little more off the beaten path? So somebody who I watched a bit in college and didn't have a great year in double A this year, but looked good, looked better in high A before he got there. Doug Nikhazy, the left-hand pitcher out of Old Miss. Um I mean, just just build-wise, not a big guy, right? But really good competitor, has a great track record, and can run the fastball up, give you good velocity for a lefty with a really interesting slot. Uh, kind of comes over the top with it. And, you know, fastball, fastball curveball slider, when I watched, has a changeup. I think the changeup's better. Last I watched him saw him throw it was in college. He didn't throw it a lot in college. But a four-pitch mix, above-average control, can throw strikes. Like To me, that's the kind of guy that if he can keep the walks down, that screams to me like this is somebody the Cleveland Guardians would love. Is, you know, a couple of, di- couple of pitches, they're all above-average or better, throw, you know, throws strikes, and can go deeper in the games. You just made Justin's night there. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay and I are best friends now. I love, I love Doug Nikhazy. I love some Doug Nikhazy. Uh, although he he toned down in the crazy this year, I asked him about that, and he said that the, it was time to mature a little bit. But no, uh, I I was a big fan. Guys didn't hit him. If you look at the stats, he he got himself in trouble with walks, mm-hmm. but dudes just did not hit him any of his starts. I'm I'm super concerned about the walk rate. Obviously, like yeah, I'm, I'm a big I'm a big fan of all that. He definitely he say I asked him he did scrap his changeup at the end of the year. He was dropping the arm slot in the changeup, and it was just non-competitive. So he scrapped it, and he said he'd come back with a new one next year. Uh, I love the fastball curveball. I think there's some bullpen risk there, and he could be kind of a left-handed 99 at the very worst. But no, I'm I'm all in on letting Doug just keep pitching as a starter and and see what you got. I, I just want him to return to the old Miss Doug Nacrazy, where he is just fired up when he comes off the mound. I need that. I need that back. I think he I think he needs that passion too to just tap into that extra little gear and that extra little groove for everything. Well, we want to thank you for joining us on on our stream. Uh, this is a fantastic talk. We'll have to have you on more. There's so many prospects that I feel like we could do like a 32 parter on this system. It's part of the fun of hosting this show, and it's it's always great. I've always had fun with Lindsay uh, when we've done our chats and crossovers. Great dude. Make sure you're checking out Locked On Prospects because prospects drafts those are just in the lifeblood of cleveland so so it's we're always rooting for tomorrow and next year so thank you for coming on